This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. It's a funny thing about overnight radio. Those of us that listen to it on a regular basis and those of us that participate in it in a regular basis, we're almost something of a fraternity. And anybody that has done this, that has made a habit of listening to the radio in these hours, that has made a habit of being on the radio in these hours, knows there's something very unique about it, something very special about it, and you almost feel bonded towards everybody else that uh, does this. Now, sometimes that means you feel a connection with a listener listening to the same type of radio show that you are, even though you guys have never met. That's one of the reasons we created the Facebook group, to allow people who have never met one another to connect about their um, commentary about this show. But in being on overnight radio, sometimes it also means um, really having a great deal of respect and reverence for those people that have come before you. I have the good fortune of sitting across from one of the people that was a trailblazer in overnight talk radio, particularly in New York City, but really around the country. A fella that uh, did very, very, very well in terms of uh, doing this time slot on WABC in New York, but he's also been on the air in New Jersey, in Connecticut, in Tampa, in a bunch of other places. I am very, very pleased uh, to be able to welcome Freddie Mertz, veteran radio talk show host who formerly hosted overnights on WABC in New York three and a half decades ago. Freddie, welcome. Oh, my God. Get a shovel and some dirt and some fertilizer. (laughs) Thank you, Frank. You're not dead yet, though, Freddie. I once worked as an oldies DJ, actually a couple of times, and the GM and the program director said, Freddie, Freddie, stop saying the late Jim Morrison. Stop saying the late. They're all dead or they're going to die. But thank you. Thank you, Frank. You made me feel so good. Now, Freddie, a lot of when I was telling a lot of people that you were coming on, a lot of folks made the comparison to I Love Lucy because you have Fred and Ethel Mertz. The neighbors of uh, the Ricardos. Uh, the um, what? What was it like for you having the same name as one of these I Love Lucy characters? Is that your real name, or is that a stage? I, I plead the fifth and the sixth, but it's it's the name that I've been <laughs> and that I call myself, and and so uh, so it really is. But you know, it's forgotten after a few times. You brand new someplace. You know, Ethel's in my trunk. Uh, once dated a girl who looked like her. But no, it, it, it's forgotten very quickly. All right. Um, tell me about, and there's a lot of things that I want to go over with you over the course of the next hour. Tell me about your time here at, uh, at WABC. And if people listening around the country, WABC is one of the most listened to talk radio stations in the country. It's kind of the, the New York Yankees of talk radio. At well, least the Mets in, the, the Mets in, in our case. <laughs> no. Frank, come on. <laughs> at least in the New York area. Um, yeah. Explain to folks how you ended up at uh, WABC and what your tenure was like here. You know, and I was going to talk to you off the air. We never, just as a background, we've talked in snippets. And not by, by design. Whenever I called, you yeah, were busy. You were with the family. Right, you, you, were, you were breastfeeding the kid. Exactly. You were in a restaurant. So you know, just very, very quick. So we've been communicating on and off for about the past year. Congratulations. You sound good. But we never really had the chance to talk. Right. I would have liked to talk for a bit uh, to you. But you know what? I love this radio station. It's been through several permutations. Uh, probably four, five owners since I've been here. And I say I came in the back door, my car, and this is crazy. Here I am in New York, the number one market right now, and I'm worried, will my car be towed a block away? Well, we're going to get into Some that. things never change. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, but basically, uh, I was not... Uh, uh, you can call WABC and, and apply for a job and send something that we call air checks, which when I was doing it, you literally had to send a CD or a cassette or something like that. Thank God for email and What's MP3s. No idea. Yeah. No idea. But it's funny. I believe you have... And I was talking with your screener about this, your producer, about how to pronounce N-E-V-A-D-A. And you know how to say it. But the typical New Yorker 
does not know how to say it. So that was the the Nevada Talk Radio yes. Network. That is the first station group that carried us outside of New York, and they said we will not carry you unless you say Nevada. Right. And, That's it. and I was hired to do the morning show. My first talk job from after being a disc jockey was in Reno. And I did not know how to say N-E-V-A-D-A. <laughs> so I went on the air and said it, and I'm not going to say it, but the wrong way to say it, and it made the front page of the newspaper. We have a moron who was doing, <laughs> now, you have to be right, it was a station AM 1450, I think it's Spanish ESPN now, but at the time it was a country station that had long forgotten down to flatline. But if you go on the air in Reno, N-E-V-A-D-A, and you pronounce it the wrong way, you will make the paper. People will listen to oh, see sure. who is the idiot who cannot say the name of the state. So was that where you started in radio in Nevada? For talk radio. For talk. I was a disc jockey before that. And yeah. where'd you grow up? Well, oh, it's a test tube baby. Uh, my father was in the military in Arizona, but grew up in the city. And believe it or not, though I don't have the accent unless it's very late, Howard Beach. Really? Oh, yes, oh, okay. the legend. Because I know you talk about it and Curtis talks about it and the bodies in the bay. And I'll tell you something. Howard Beach, this is a well-kept secret, is probably the best-smelling place in all of Queens, if not the city of New York. And I've gone back to verify this. Because of the food? Because of, well, the food's very good, but the bay. Oh. The bay water. I mean, Rockaway is congested, and, and I, I know that I think Sid lives there. I mean, I'm not a fan of Rockaway. People would go there fishing, but Howard Beach was very tranquil. You, know, you have the old Howard Beach. You had Lindenwood, Rockwood Park. It's, and of course, you can go over the border, go to East New York, Brooklyn. But- the air in Howard Beach, and I was back a few months ago just to verify this before I would say it, it always smells good. Huh. You know, yeah. I've been, I spent a lot of time in Howard Beach. I must say, I have never taken note of the smell. So um, you were doing talk shows starting in Nevada and some other places. I know you were on um, at WFAL in Florida, which is a Actually, big FLA, station. FLA, but I like the way you're saying it. W- WFAL. It is pretty foul, yeah. And that was a wild station back at the time. Oh, no, I know. I know some folks that were on that station at the time. But how did you end up here at WABC? Well, you know, it's kind of a crazy story. You really can't apply for the job. I was working for somebody who, uh, actually, no, I was heard somewhere. I was heard in two places. Somebody heard me in Reno, and somebody heard me in Seattle. And they both called the then program director. Actually, I think somebody called a previous manager uh, who I talked to and didn't hire me. And then uh, when the program director who came in, who was, was that John, Manelli? John Manelli, who hired uh, Rush Limbaugh, and also uh, most of the people who would still be here. Curtis Lewa, and, uh, and, and, you know, people who have passed right. away. So John's been a guest on the show. Yeah, Great right. guy. So, so John was the one who brought me in. And I didn't believe the call. I got a call from John Minnelli, and somebody who he used to work for heard me in Seattle and said, you want to get this guy on. And I thought it was a crank call. I did not believe any of this. This was the true story. I did not even believe it. So that's how I got to be here. And my first assignment was filling in for Bob Grant. You're kidding. I kid you not. Boy, I mean, talk about a, yeah. an intimidating first uh, first assignment. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, that was at a time when Bob was the undisputed king of talk radio all over the country. And Minnelli was a wild man in that he had a philosophy that I think is awesome and that nobody else in talk radio that I know of does. If somebody, let's say Bob Grant, was very conservative— Minnelli would try to have the person filling in for Bob Grant be, you know, I, I hate the labels. That's a right, whole separate thing. I same, hate same. the labels. But he liked to put somebody on who didn't have the same views. Right. And even if it would piss off the audience somewhat, he liked to stir the pot. And so God bless him. So that's how I get, got the chance to work and fill in for, uh, for Bob Grant. And he was a very quiet guy. I saw him in the building a few times when he came back, and I filled in. I used to fill in for him. After that entire first week or two, I would do the Monday holidays. And another crazy story, although I am Jewish, Bob Grant took off the Jewish holidays. <laughs> and so Minnelli called me and said, uh, Freddie, I expect you to work on, I don't know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. I said, well, he said, I said to John, well, I am Jewish. I said, he, I, he, I, but Bob Grant's got to take the day off. He's more well-known in the market than you are. So I said, okay, great. <laughs> so You know, it's funny. Um, if you, one Googles your name, uh, you come upon— Oh, don't, don't. No, you come upon a, um, a Where Are They Now radio page yeah. that, uh, that, that describes you in thus a manner. And Freddie Mertz is one of a kind, a great talk radio pioneer. Pioneer because he was, the, he was one of the first to, quote, do it 
differently. And then uh, this person, I believe it's uh, Ted Webb, goes on to write. Oh, the late Ted. Uh, Ted it, died about a year it, ago. It goes on to, well, I'm sorry to hear that, yeah. uh, but um, it writes, Merch did not sound like any of them, meaning the other people on the radio. He sounded great. Uh, truly a talented radio guy. Now, putting aside whether you sounded great or not, Thank would you, Frank. Would, would, you <laughs> would you say that you were a talk radio pioneer? If so, what made you such a pioneer? I compete with nobody except myself. I have to be honest with you. I'm my, my worst critic, like many of us are, and uh, I... You know, I think we're all influenced by people. I started off as a disc jockey, as a music personality. So I've always approached talk as the, the song is playing. It's going to be over in three and a half or four or five minutes. And uh, what am I going to say? And so I got into talk radio really as somebody who enjoyed doing the phone bits. I love doing the phone bits. And so I kind of backed into it that way. And it wasn't, I wasn't content just, you know, do a quick bit, blah, 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 commercial. And so when I had the chance to go out to Reno, and by the way, it is Nevada, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's Nevada, not the other way. Although there is a Nevada in Missouri. You're kidding. Or Missouri. Missouri. And that, and that right. is Nevada, by the way, yes. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, it, it kind of happened by accident. And so getting the call to fill in here. But I'll tell you a funny story, and this is the way this business works. We had a general manager at the time. I'm not even going to say his name, but the guy was a complete putz. And, um, Sounds so like uh, Fred Winehouse. That was the one. <laughs> and so I am on the very first day filling in for Bob Grant. And I'm all charged up and I'm all excited. And Manelli was a very quiet guy. He wasn't an overbearing guy. Good luck. Have a good show. He didn't micromanage you. If there were certain things that maybe you did that he didn't like, he would tell you in a very professional way. So I'm running to the bathroom, probably, you know, fluids going out, fluids going in. I'm thinking of an old Temptation song, all because of the color of their skin. <laughs> so anyway, I'm running to the bathroom, got my, I have my coffee, and Fred Winehouse passes me and says, uh, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Freddie Mertz. I'm filling in for Bob Grant. Oh, he says, oh, you're the guy on the air right now? This is the general manager. And I said, yes. He says, do you always sound the way you do today? <laughs> and he made a face. And this was not a compliment. The guy was basically trying. Here's the general manager, my first day on the air at this station, WABC, on a bathroom slash coffee break, basically telling me, I think you suck. <laughs> you know, so th- this, this is what, and people don't realize, this is radio. Right. So I told Minnelli, and Minnelli goes, and he, I'm sure he would corroborate this. He says, Freddie, don't worry about it. You're in great company. He <laughs> hates, and he rattled off all the names <laughs> of people the general manager hated. So that was supposed to be a badge of That's courage. Very funny. So I, ne- yeah. I don't think I've ever met Fred, and um, I never, certainly never worked with him or for him. But uh, I know a lot of people that did, and all the salespeople that worked for Fred Winehouse at the time that I knew, they all refer to him because they viewed him as so slick and such a hustler as Fast Freddy, right? <laughs> that he was always trying to get one over on you. And then um, one fella at On Air Talent said that Fred would be dressed to the nines four days a week. He would um, dress and act like a total gangster. And then on Fridays, he would be wearing a velour jumpsuit. Accurate or inaccurate? Don't know. To be honest with you, I worked all different day parts or shifts or shows. To me, shift is more like a gas station would have. So, Although I admire those people. Uh, especially in New Jersey, where you don't pump your own gas. They say it's full service, last but you state, know it's not. Oregon just legalized uh, self-service, so New ah, Jersey's the last state. How now. about that? How about that? But it's never really full service. I mean, come on. But in any event, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the glory days of radio, I did not really get to live those. Like I said, I came in the back door. My car was double parked. I enjoyed the people that I met. And one of the nicest, uh, and again, our opinions weren't the same on many things, was Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. And people don't realize this at the time, he was, his star was rising, so he was doing a local show here at WABC. And I want, I want to talk about the news, the current stuff, but, but Rush, though, was really a cheerleader for talk radio in the building. Sure. And he didn't have to be. Rush didn't have to. There are some talk show hosts who will not say hello to anybody. They're in their own world. It's like, who, I'm the, like that. who the heck are you? I, I, I don't no, say hello no, to anybody. No, you're yes, not. No, you're that's not. That's true. But, uh, but Rush, I still recall, and maybe he felt sorry for me. <laughs> maybe he said, God. This poor guy. But he was always somebody, when I worked a shift that would be a show, that would be adjoining his, or I was in the building, no matter what he was doing during a commercial break, Freddie Mertz, get in here. So when people would pick on Rush Limbaugh and say this bit was whatever it was, I recall a guy who would tell me, you know, good show, I like the bit you did with this, and I couldn't believe he was listening to me. And then he would mention, you know, I like that phone bit. And I'm thinking, God, he, Rush Limbaugh is listening to me. 
So thank you for that. And I was very sad that he passed away. Oh, no. I, I, I never got to know him, but uh, I was a big fan. It's interesting that you mention uh, phone bits. Uh, l- let me read a bit from the Tampa Bay Times, March of 1990. WFLA's early, early morning star, Freddie Mertz of the ABC Talk Radio Network, was swept away in a hush a week and a half ago. The often wild, sometimes woolly, and always vocal Mertz, who worked locally on WFAL in the summer of 1988, um, most uh, most lately as uh, was WABC was ABC's three to six a.m. chatter. FLA carried him on the network three to five. He's now assembling audition tapes in the hopes of a Ugh. next job. <laughs> Apparently, um, there was a phone bit that didn't go too well, and it resulted in your firing. What happened? Tell us. Frank, do we have to discuss this? Do we have to Come discuss this? Come on, it's this? interesting. People no, want to it, know. It wasn't, it wasn't one phone bit, actually. It wasn't, wasn't that at all. Um, it was just a ridiculous thing. But, I mean, I'm proud of it. And actually, my return, I, I actually returned to WFLA. So my job after uh, WABC and the ABC Network, I was part of that as well, was WFLA. So I returned to that station as uh, what they call the weekend swing personality and then went to a station that they owned uh, somewhere else. And you know, it, it's an odyssey, and I will tell you, be thankful for the ride that you're having oh, right now, and absolutely. be thankful you're working for good people, because there's an old saying, there were too many cooks in the kitchen, and now there's loads of kitchens. I mean, you could put on the Food Channel, and you can see weird kitchens on PBS and Channel 21. My God, they really go from, from, from bad to worse. Everybody's <laughs> got a cooking show now, but there are too many cooks in the kitchen, and you know, there's not one way to skin this cat, but... You know, I, I'm not here to be the expert how to do it, but I feel I'm a good judge of what. And I can, I can ask you the same thing. When I hear you doing your talk show, I hear you listening to it. You hear what you're doing. And I don't know if you have all the OCD that I do, but you, you don't want to be bored. You want to do the show and you want the show to entertain you. And I don't mean that in an egomaniacal no, 100%. way. No, 100%. What, right, am, right. I, what but, am I doing but, here? But what I'm saying, most shows, the show is done before the show begins. Right. You know, we'll play a little piece from Fox News, and we'll play the same, give the same talking point, yeah. and give me a vomit spatula, please. <laughs> okay? Think for yourself. If it was on Fox News two days ago, why do we want to hear it now? You know, I mean, let's have some fun. What, what, what is going to happen tonight or today that didn't happen yesterday? But the, but the bit that I did that, that actually got me off the network, and, and there was a crazy story because of Fred Winehouse. He did not want my show on WABC, from what I understand. Um, I, I got this story from Minnelli. <laughs> so, John, if you're listening, I'm sorry. So I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I'm working on the network, and WABC has a free show that I'm being paid to do. And it's only on weekends. I, I didn't know what was going on. So I'm doing a show in the ABC News building, and this general manager hated my show so much that it was taken off WABC. And, and I'm sure that wasn't certainly John felt bad about that. So that was one of the things. And so I'm on the air doing the show, and one of our biggest affiliates was Phoenix, Arizona. And we had Tucson, where my life began. My dad was in the Army, actually, at the Fort Huachuca. So um, we have Tucson, and we have Phoenix, and because of the size of that station at a certain time, and you, you know that. I see you have certain calls. Oh, sure. I do listen to you. I can't sleep. Thank you. Yeah. So at about 5.15 in the morning, Frank has all the Baltimore calls. Right, exactly. Wow. <laughs> and that same station was an affiliate of ours. Oh, really? So you were on WCBM? Indirectly. Wow. And I was on the other one, WBAL, when I worked mm. for CBS. Yeah, so we don't actually, like WBAL. Well, I never actually lived or worked in Baltimore gotcha. physically, but gotcha. I had to beat me to a very, very good talk radio market. So anyway, at a certain time of the morning, you have all your calls coming in from, you know, whatever it might be, Maryland. So we had a certain hour where half the calls were coming in from Arizona. All of a sudden, no Arizona calls. None. Absolutely none. Well, I didn't get the memo that the Phoenix station decided to hire somebody locally or go with some other network show. So I just asked on the air, what happened to my Phoenix people? What's going on? Well, the general manager there did not like that. And, you know, I, I just wanted to say goodbye to Phoenix. Sure. So I just did some shtick about how much Phoenix meant to me. Actually, my life began an hour south of there in, in Tucson, Fort Huachuca, whatever. But I just asked the question, what happened to Phoenix? What did I do? And apparently uh, uh, they didn't appreciate that. And they were just looking for a reason to get rid of me. And, and, and it wasn't costing that much. Believe me, I think I was paying to work to park. Maybe the parking was included <laughs> on trade out. 
Uh, speaking of money, uh, if people are just saying we're talking with uh, with Freddie Mertz, veteran radio talk oh show God. host uh, who has been described by some as uh, a very entertaining guy who's probably worked at more radio stations oh, than you've ever listened to. Thank you, Frank. Um, the- <laughs> let me let me send this air check out. Thank you, Frank. I don't think that's a negative. I mean, getting getting to work at any radio station is a rare thing. To get getting to work at many is a special thing. How do you make money these days? I don't. I really do well, not. Well, how do you pay your bills? Well, I'd you... rather, Frank, I'd rather not get into other things that I've done. I, I mean, for example, I, I can do some other things, uh, and you have to. You have to be able to. But the, the, the disease, the passion, I'm sorry, the passion is talk radio. And so no matter what I'm doing, and I've also written, I've been a reporter for some newspapers, uh, although uh, doing the talk show, obviously, I've got to give my opinion. But I have been uh, a feature writer. I've worked for uh, a number of companies. I think Gannett owns them all right now, but I've also been a reporter uh, in Mississippi where I've done talk radio as well and also was a reporter across the river in New Jersey and done some other things as well, totally unrelated to radio. But I tell people, how do you keep in tune? You know, how do you do this thing? When I was a little kid... I recall walking in the city with my parents, and there'd be somebody in the street who I would think would be a maniac, or they would tell me, oh, that's just a maniac, and there'd be a person talking to himself, walking in the street. Well, that, that's me some days. <laughs> you know, There might be a monologue I'm doing. Am I saying this out loud? <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is you always keep in, and I'm sure you do this, you always keep in, in shape by living life on the air, off the air. So if I go to a bank or I go whenever I go shopping, I mean, whatever it is, the shtick is always there. And it may not be broadcast, but if you're with me at the time, you are stuck with my shtick. You know, um, I totally empathize with that. And it's funny, I uh, before I was married, I had a girlfriend, and she would ask my opinion on this or whatever about that. And I would tell her, well, I talked about that on the radio. You really should have listened. And she said, I get the Frank Morano show every day. Exactly. I don't really want to be able to have to <laughs> listen to it in my spare time, the few hours that we're apart. Right. But the, the difference between – and I get everything that you just said – but if they told me tomorrow that I was fired, within three to four weeks, I'd be homeless. Right? right. Because oh, I, I, I have no been homeless. I, I have been homeless in this business. I have been on food stamps. I am not going to, you know, everybody's supposed to have this wonderful uh, rags to riches story. Um, but not everybody who works. And I always say that, you know, it's a labor of love and we subsidize the people who make the money. You know, and, and God bless him. Some are great people. I always defend Rush because he was always nice to me and, and made me feel like, you know, here's a shot of confidence. But the point is that there are a few people who make the money in this business and the rest of us, just like I guess in acting and many other things, it's a labor of love. You can pay your bills. You live like a camel. You have to save, not the kind you smoke, but you, you know, mm. the Joe camel, but you save your money and you have to do some other things. But it's a passion of mine, as it's a passion of yours, and I'd like to. I, I'm still, you know, still would love to be doing this full time. It, it is uh, well, and it's a uh, it's a shame that you're not on the air anywhere regularly. I, I wish you were, and we got a lot of great stations listening right now, and uh, hopefully uh, somebody will uh, will take that suggestion to heart. It is interesting, though. Uh, we had, I think, a couple of email exchanges about your appearance today and one brief phone conversation. And I asked you a couple of times, let me know what you want to talk about. You didn't give me any suggestions about what you wanted to talk about. However, you did manage in the three brief or four brief interactions that we had in preparing for this hour together, you did manage to ask repeatedly about the parking situation. You are very (laughs) fixated on this parking situation. Well, it's not that. It's just that... uh Again, being very OCD, and I did go to college for the, uh, let me say, I did like 75% of my college in Mississippi. Uh, yes, I graduated from the Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, whoop de doo but I also graduated from uh, a combination of Hunter and John Jay and did my last year uh, in the city and, and drove in like a redneck and, and parked. And I had a professor ask me, how can you find your car? I said, I always can unless the marshal takes it. <laughs> and you become an expert, especially going to Hunter, uh, you know, as where you can park. So, you know, at this time of the night, I can't believe all the traffic going on, all the people. I mean, beautiful women are walking out at 2 in the morning, and they are in hookers, and and all kinds of things. It's like, uh, but I'm looking for a spot, 
And every spot right near this building, and Frank, of course, says, Freddie, don't worry about it. Spots everywhere, everywhere. You know, a taxi stand, you know. So, well, I, I know Frank Marano. We'll see what that's going to get me in court. So I just, <laughs> I, I just had to pee and get in here. So I know it's a very classy operation, and this is a beautiful place. The kitchen here, my God, you could feed I, a whole uh, homeless me. group. I, I had uh, yeah. two bowls of granola right before we got on the air. There's so, free Progresso soup in the kitchen here. <laughs> you got, um, you, so you got a parking spot. That was... it's, I don't think it's legal. Okay, it's close. <laughs> Enough. We'll, we'll find enough. out. But uh, no, I did leave you with a few things. I, I'm not a fan of, I like to do the, the show prep. I'm a stickler for that. But the best shows, and I think you'd agree with this, are the ones where you bring all this stuff in and you don't get to half of it. I mean, like affirmative action made the news today. It's a big deal about the overturn of affirmative action. And I have a feeling that you're a huge fan of George Carlin. We oh, never talked about please, this. Please, 100%. Yeah. And one of the many lines of shtick that he did was the stupidity of language and phrases that the government comes up with to give something a title that it has no relation to what it is. <laughs> what in God's name does affirmative action means? I mean, affirmative action, it's like uh, social distancing. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> Although I'll tell you something, I'm, I've, be, I've actually missed social distancing. <laughs> You know, I kind of like, I go to, let's say, ShopRite or someplace and pick on them, but I kind of like that group behind me to be six feet away. If they have kids, <laughs> you know, if it's a beautiful woman, that's one thing. You know, look at the mask. What does she really look like? But I kind of miss that six foot thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not missing. I'm not with you on that at all, Freddie. No, uh, not the, I, ma I totally not the mask mandate. I not, we can get into that. But, but affirmative action, though, it's a crazy phrase that most people never really knew what it meant, for better or worse. Did it mean quota? So I'm not saying that I would support what happened, but there still needs to be some definition. What exactly is affirmative action? And and there are several groups, and I know, you know, for example, Jews, who never got a benefit from that at all. Um, so if you're in certain groups, it didn't even help you. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure it helped some people. Some people who it helped, they now disown it. But but the thing is that the, the phrase itself, though. It really needs to be blown up and called something else. Yeah, I, I uh, totally agree with you on that front. Freddie Mertz is here. If you want to call in, if you want to comment, if you have a question for Freddie, you can do so at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. We'll continue straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Singing in the air tonight, uh, playing this in the uh, in honor of Mike Tyson, whose birthday it is today. Obviously, Phil Collins did a fairly good job with this song, but not nearly as good as Mike Tyson did in the film The Hangover. Joined in studio for the hour by Freddie Mertz, a veteran radio talk show host. If you're not familiar with uh, Freddie Mertz, he's not the guy from I Love Lucy. He's worked on many different radio stations around the country as both a DJ and a talk talent. And, uh, for instance, here is uh, Freddie's commentary on bagels on a station called no, WRKL. Oh, no, don't. Don't play that. No, hey, no, what's going no. on? 12 before 4 o'clock from AM 910 WRKL on the Freddie Mertz Show soliciting, well, just plain soliciting, actually, but your calls especially here. Oh, yeah. This will be the pulling teeth day. I just know it. <laughs> I just, oh. I can just feel it. Anyway, three six two ninety one hundred. Uh, they had some Giuliani in the building. I don't know Mayor what it was. Mayor Giuliani called me on that station one day to argue with me. Yeah, well, of course that means the employees were not about this morning. So cross me off. Some <laughs> of the cream cheese and the small little prefab packets, and a whole bag full of bagels. So I kind of reach in there, and I guess some people in the building are on diets. And perhaps this happens in your office, maybe at home. I can't believe it, though. You'd be this tacky. But 
you would take the bagel out, and maybe you feel, well, I can't go the whole bagel. I'll have a half, or I'll just pull a piece off and then put the rest of the bagel in. That means you've grabbed the bagel with your hand, you've pulled a piece off, or knowing the people that work in this building, maybe bitten the piece off, and then you throw it back in the bag. I've now, seen that done with feeling. pizza, Frank. Oh, same, Don't feel I've seen that done Take with the bagel, pizza. Eat whatever you want and throw the rest out. You catch that, Scott? Oh, Scott is the germ freak. Oh, Scott Scott eats chicken wings with a, with a napkin. Uh, <laughs> and a skewer. They had some function this morning. I, I, I know not what, the but present, there was Frank, something please. going on for the real employees of the station, the ones who count. Why are we never invited to these things? Oh, who wants tell, me, uh, tell me about Rudy Giuliani calling you on that station. You know, it was interesting, um, and... I, what can I say about Giuliani? This radio station, WABC, I'm going to walk delicately here, is so legendary because think about this. How many stations can have not one but two current people in their lineup who were both sketched, if that's a verb, on SNL? And I, mean, I think that's a badge of courage. Oh, no doubt about you know? it. And the people who did them aren't in the cast anymore, you know, but they did a great job. I, I thought Cecily Strong doing uh, doing Piro, when I would hear Piro talk, I would say, oh, my God, she's doing Cecily Strong. Well, also, Kill Me's on, on WABC. He's been satirized on Saturday Night Live as well. Who did him? Uh, I don't I don't remember. See, honestly, I don't watch it. Uh, oh, uh, oh, Bolin Yang. Oh, Bowen Yang? Oh, yeah. really? I, I can't recall that one. Yeah, uh, he's been on a few <laughs> That's times. That's great, yeah. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I In the minute uh, commercial break that we had before we came back... Not I, enough time. I, I, don't, I don't know when you can drink <laughs> fluids, go out. I mean, there wouldn't be time if Fred Winehouse was still the GM. There would not be time for Fred to catch you and tell you how crappy your show was. I, I love it. That's why it's by design. <laughs> yeah. But um, as little time as we had, you did manage to shout down the hallway and get a Elias to make you a cup of coffee. I just learned Elias's name uh, yesterday, which is it's going great so far. But um, that was uh, that was very interesting, very bold. I would say taking a chance. I am very uh, along with being very OCD, very germaphobe. You and I are big pizza fans. You don't have to be Italian to be a big pizza fan. But there is something, and, and God gave me this talent. I wish God did not give me this talent, but. I can see everything disgusting that happens as food is being prepared. Wow. And, and this is going back long before COVID. But anyway, uh, there's something, and for lack of a better phrase, and I can't believe a respectable uh, pizzeria would do this, but I have seen this as recently as a year or so ago in New Jersey. It's called blowing the sauce. Now, you are Italian. You don't play an Italian on the radio. You really are Italian, okay? That's true. Do you know what blowing the sauce is? I, I, I don't think I do. Is that when you uh, spread it around the crust by blowing on it? Yes. Yes, I do know what that yes. is. Yes. Okay. Now, I mean, do you have to have somebody <laughs> tell you this is not sanitary? Nobody wants to have your mucus, but that's be- your breath. That's before you put it in the oven. You put it in the oven, it's 400 degrees. I don't it care. kills all the germs. I don't want my sauce blown. So I saw this some time ago when I was a kid, a little older. I'm in Teaneck, New Jersey. I'm not going to say where, but Teaneck, New Jersey, which has a, you know, an Italian population, a Jewish population, a Muslim population. It's a very you know, diverse area. And there was a pizza place I was going to, I have to say. Being the redneck I am, they had the Monday special, the cheese pie. These have all disappeared, by the way, since COVID. <laughs> but before COVID, you could normally find some pretty good pizzerias. And if you went there on Monday, not during football season, but an off time of the year, they were trying to push their pies. And so you could get like the uh, usual 13 $12 pie for nine something. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want it to include blowing the sauce. <laughs> so I happened to like this guy. He seemed like a nice guy, had a good personality, and then he began to blow the sauce. <sighs> and I'm thinking, geez, Louise, use a. I, I, I had to walk out. I had You're to. I just, you, I, you, you can't blow. Nobody should blow your pizza sauce to spread it when they're making your pizza. I, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm starting to side with, with Fred Winehouse. I understand what he was talking about those, uh, those decades ago. Uh, you Thank allu- you, Frank. <laughs> you alluded to uh, Rush Limbaugh and uh, exactly what it was like to have him as a colleague and work in the same building as, uh, as he did. You were, um, you were quoted, actually, in the New York Times oh in an article God. about Rush Limbaugh where you're talking to him um, about what's happening in the Florida radio market, and you told him they love you in this market. Now, right. a lot of people think of Rush, especially now, and they just view him as this 
larger-than-life figure, uh, a huge degree of confidence, huge degree of ego, huge degree of success. Jekyll and Hyde. You don't necessarily think of him as someone that needed propping up or encouragement, and then yet you were doing that. Well, I don't mean that. I I mean that he was a pussycat and somebody who, and, and again, I don't want to keep dwell on that, but I mean he was somebody who took the time to make other people feel good. Uh, you didn't have to have his opinion. He loved caller-based radio. He didn't do that. I mean, he'd be the first to tell you that's not my forte. That's not my strong point. He would do like, you know, not, not ask Frank anything, but open phones Friday. But they really weren't very open. I mean, it was really more of Him what I call, right. he was a, monolog- he, right. a monologist, if that's sure. a word, kind of like a, a preacher. And, and there's a talent to doing that. We all, we all can be in the padded room for hours mm-hmm. and just talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can be that person walking in the street. Or you ever go into a restroom and you just start talking. All, and all then the you time. realize there's somebody in the stall. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And yesterday, they're not with you. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday sure. I, was, uh, walking, yeah, I was walking into this building and I started doing a commentary to myself, right? Yes. And I was talking out loud. Uh, and it was a at, great bit. W- I think it was okay. Yeah. Uh, and I was walking from the car to, you know, the entrance of the building, just assuming no one's going to hear me. And then I turn the corner into the building and I go smack dab in front of this person. And then I see this person's looking at me, talking loudly to myself. And right. he's thinking, I said, well, this guy doesn't look mentally deranged. Why is he so actively talking to himself? It's clear he's not on the phone with anybody. Why is he doing this? So I can absolutely, I can absolutely understand where you're coming we from. We become on that. those people, no doubt about you're that. Right. Whether they're applying for a job on Broadway, they didn't <laughs> yeah. get it, or they're just deranged ex-radio people. It, it is our personality, speaking, and so it makes sense. Yes. Speaking of deranged, the fellow oh, that uh, often fills in for me when uh, I rarely, on the rare days that I take a day off, is Curtis Lewa. Now he was here. When you were doing your overnight show, and I understand he has played the unique role of actually being your your coat hanger. Well, it's a crazy story, and I have never really interacted much with Curtis, and I can't say why. We started around the same time, and I hate to say the year, but it was around 88, uh, 1888, actually. Or was it 1988? <laughs> One of the 88s. And so... I don't know if we were working different shifts at the time, or again, I hate to use that term, shift, shows, day parts, whatever the heck you want to call the various times of of radio talk shows. So we didn't really have a chance to be in the building that much or talk to each other that much. Never had a problem with the guy. But I was doing, uh, among among my various fill-in shows, uh, Lynn Samuels. May she Mm. rest in peace. She was a character. Uh, She had uh, a midday show and also a Saturday show. And I would occasionally fill in for her on the Saturday show. So I uh, ran in one day and dropped my stuff, and it was like a little, what you call the ante room. It was not in this building. It might have been one building back, two buildings back. There have been a few of them. And so this would have been actually Penn Plaza. So I took my coat off, put it on, you know, on the couch, and I thought nothing of it. I put my coat over Curtis. <laughs> you know, he was sleeping there. So we never really had the chance to talk much. Uh, I admire him. I don't know um, what would be his situation with mayor. At times, I'll watch Eric Adam and say, what if Curtis Slewa had become mayor? Well, I'll tell you, God is talking to Curtis a lot less than he appears to be talking to Eric Adams, that's for sure. But um, when you put your th- you threw your coat on Curtis. I wouldn't say throw my coat. I didn't know Curtis was there. Oh, no, I understand. I took off okay. my things. Yeah. You, right. <laughs> then, at the end of your, your time on the station. Three hours later. Was... It's still on Curtis? I went back to claim my coat, and that's when I realized, oh, my God, my coat is on top of Curtis. Still, it had been the whole time. The whole time, okay? I don't think he even got up to go to the restroom. (laughs) My coat, he was really knocked out. He must have been doing, I don't know what, a a, a feral kitty rescue or a guardian angel's appearance, and and he had a lot of things going on back at the time in the news. But I do admire Curtis, and and Curtis is um, a very interesting character. And, and I'm not trying to blow smoke, but one of the things Curtis does that I like is that he is always trying to find new material. And he's looking for the humor along with the serious. And uh, I was in a miserable mood a few months ago driving on the, uh, the LIE going about uh, five miles an hour, just in total gridlock. And he was doing a bit about just some recent crime, something in the subway. And he made me feel like and I have to tell you, I do not go on the subway. It's mm-hmm. a whole separate topic. The subway is a much better place without Freddie Merckx <laughs> because 
I've always thought that when I go on the subway, and I would have to be dragged there, like with my college best friend, she would say, oh, we have to go on the subway. But uh, I just never liked it. I never liked it. And the redneck in me, I don't love to drive in the city, but my God, I'd rather drive in the city than be on that subway. I just feel like there's a sign over my head, push the guy on the tracks. (laughs) I hate to say it. I feel like I'm the guy they're going to push. And I want there to be a safe subway. There must be a safe subway. A subway that does not smell like urine, a subway that's safe where you can have street artists playing underground. It shouldn't be, and, and this whole thing about subway surfing, what the, what the heck is that? Subway surfing, what is that? But the subway needs to be a safe place. It's an essential trans, you know, transportation uh, uh, venue for people. I don't want to be on that. And I, I just, that's my decision. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Curtis, so, so Curtis and the yeah, LIE. And the LIE. So Curtis was talking about the most recent uh, subway violence, whatever it would have been. And there was a, I guess, a photo op that the now uh, leaving police commissioner was doing. And I tell you, Curtis made me feel like I was right there. It was a it was a great bit. He was basically trying to tell you what a oh, miserable job. This is recently, job. not thirty five well, years ago. No, 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 no. This is a recent bit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And I started laughing. It was like this is this is oh, great. No, absolutely, this is brilliant he, stuff. He is uh, a, a a comic genius. Yeah. That is for sure. Unfortunately, a lot of that comedy is unintentional. Now, <laughs> y- you also um, worked with uh, with James Golden, who a lot of people know as a talk talent these yes. days. But w- at the time, he wasn't necessarily a talk show host. No, what, what was what was he doing when you were here? You know, you were lucky enough to have somebody across the glass, and I always find the humor in this because uh, a lot of people who would be your screener or your or, uh, I mean, here you have all these people. Like, come in. You've got somebody who uh, I don't know what they're who all doing. Who makes your coffee? That's well, why he's yeah, here. Yeah, it actually tastes pretty good. I've already. I think I've he's, had. Two he's of in his line cups. for a promotion. Wait, he owes me a second cup. We ordered a second one. Where's it coming? <laughs> <laughs> you don't drink half the coffee I thought you did, by the way. <laughs> but with two minute breaks, that makes it, sense wait, why you don't. Exactly. You need to have a catheter. Exactly. Here. Right. But uh, but James was one of those great guys who. And again, he was not the James Golden, the Bull Snurdly. Uh, Rush Limbaugh had begun. It's funny. Eighty eight was a very big big year, 1988, not 1888. And so Rush Limbaugh began that year. Curtis did. James Golden did. And I, like I said, I came in the back door. I was in awe of all these people. Um, but Rush Limbaugh was not necessarily well-known nationally at the time. But his star was rising. And so he did a local show and a national show. Right. And so James was his producer. And so you can get anybody. You know, you can get anybody. And there were times you'd be on the air doing a show. And you had, you'd have somebody across the glass from you. And they were about as happy to be there as they would be to be having a colonoscopy without the full <laughs> anesthesia. I mean, they did not want that gig. They, maybe they wanted to be on the radio, because at the time, WABC and WPLJ were co-owned stations. Sure. And I think most of the people who came in to be screeners or producers, they didn't want to work on WABC in that job. They wanted to be across the hall at PLJ. Right, at the FM So, so yeah, so, you, you, so they're looking at you like they're just miserable. <laughs> so you really wanted a good producer, a good screener. And so if you had James Golden... And again, he was not the famous James Golden back at the time. He just made you feel good. You know, he was great. So, so that was my memory of James oh, Golden. Well, so he gets yeah. a, firm, a solid review. Oh, no from, question. From his oh, time yeah, as yeah, a, yeah. an engineer slash screener. Paul is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hello, Paul. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Do you remember a talk show host named Jay Marvin? Oh, Jay was great. Jay was oh, a friend. he was great. He was, he was as, almost as good as you, Freddie. Oh, Jesus. And I got you two mixed up. I couldn't remember. Uh, I couldn't remember his name, and, and uh, the name that always popped up was Freddie Mertz, and what I really meant was Jay Marvin. Well, I you tell two you what. were very similar. Well, thank you. Hey, Jay, Jay uh, recently died. It's, it's so sad, Aww. but yeah, we worked together in Tampa. So fill folks in. I'm not familiar with Jay Marvin. Uh, who was Jay Marvin? What, what, what was his uh You know, Jay was just appeal. somebody who was very passionate, um, and I hate the labels, but I guess he would be on the, because I, I just don't like that. Uh, Jay thought for himself, but he would be on the progressive wing, if uh-huh. you will. Uh, but he also, along with the passion, he could be funny. He liked to take delves into music. So at times he would just say, hey, we have this heavy news day, but let's talk about uh, a brand new group. I recall one day he was doing a show about Blind Melon before they had that great hit and before the lead singer killed himself and lived the, the song out. Uh, what was that great song with the, with the, with the B video? I, I'm not, I'm not I sure. I can hear not, it in my head. Yeah. Right, exactly. So Jay was just a great talent and a very nice guy. And I'll tell you, there were times I would call Jay as a caller. Um, it, it's kind of weird, but at times, and I bet you've done this, Frank, you want to just feel, what does it feel like to be a caller? Mm-hmm. 
you know, and usually it's a horrible experience because you say something and then the host puts you on eternal hold and gets rid of you. I know. It, no, it, it can be frustrating. So, I J- so Jay and I had the philosophy, and I think you do as well. I always wanted to have the grit of the conversation. You know, unless they were like somebody I had to get off. They were flaming racist, homophobe, right, sure. just someone like that. But I like to actually say goodbye to them. And so, so at times I would call Jay just to keep in practice of what does the caller feel like when they're calling. But I really did like Jay, and just a great guy, great person. So the bulk of his career was on WFAL, FLA. <laughs> you want to make it WFAL? I do. Foul. Yeah, I, I really do. Foul, right. Uh, no, he actually, that, that's where he, he made his name, and he went from there to Chicago and I believe Milwaukee and out to Denver. And I think he finished his career in Denver or stopped. I think he had some, some health issues, but just a great guy, great guy. Uh, we're going to continue with Freddie Mertz in a moment. If you have questions, you can give us a call, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morato. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Feel it in your heart and feel it in your soul. Let the music take control. We're going to party, climbing, fiesta, forever. Come on and sing my song. Lionel Richie singing about what it's like to be up all night long. Uh, You're listening to a few fellas that uh, know exactly what it's like to be up all night long. Yours truly, Frank Morano, and uh, veteran radio talk show host, Freddie Mertz. We're going to take your calls in a moment, 800-848-9222. Have to ask you about uh, someone that uh, I'm a huge fan of Uh and who's a friend of mine, and I'm thinking your paths might have crossed 35 years ago, and that's... Thank uh, you, Frank. uh, That's Jay... But it's better than 45. (laughs) I'm driving in tonight, and Frank says, you know, I found somebody, some some bum, who worked here 45 years ago. And I'm thinking, Frank, we started 35 years ago, but... (laughs) But That's uh, Jay Diamond. Uh, Did you know Jay at all? You know, I never met Jay. Um, I was Fred Winehouse out of the station. I came back and did some other work uh, for John Minnelli at, at another station in town that that had a short-lived FM format, and came back to do some filling work on, on WABC a few times, but I never got to meet Jay. Um, so I admire his talent, but never actually, never knowingly met him. There could be people you meet at a function or that you're at sure. the same function with, but I did not know Jay Diamond. Nope. Eight, 800-848-9222. Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, Frank, great show as always. Thanks. Uh, that song for Blind uh, Melon was uh, Rain, I believe. Yes, rain. no rain go. about being depressed. You're no so rain. depressed, yeah. the sunny day will depress you, and the rainy day makes you feel better. Right? Thank you. All right. Hey, listen, what I want you to say is this. Uh, other than Mr. Wolf that you have occasionally, Ms. Morano, on, uh, this gentleman, Mr. Mertz, you know, like Bob Dylan used to say, trust the voice. Uh, is that I've what he said? Yes, he did. And, and first of all, is John Manelli Grease Man Manelli? No. No. Ay, no. Ay, ay. <laughs> okay. Here's what I want to say. Is, uh, some way, Mr. Katsimatidis, Mr. Lopez, should somehow find a spot for this gentleman, because I'm going to tell you, excellent, excellent in every way. God bless this man. Yeah, a man I, with I, taste. I, Wait, I completely you agree him, with you. I, I completely. <laughs> I was going to ask you how much you're paying you know, him. Yeah. Listen, Curtis is the fill-in. I know that. But I got to tell you something. There's so many possibilities where... Even reading a, a newsread just to get him going, or even if you were to have him more regularly, like you have Dr. Sky or somebody else, this gentleman has the goods. And when the goods are there, it's a very rare, it's a rarity in these days. I can tell you. Just get me uh, coffee and a good parking space, and I'll be all well, right. Yeah, Elias it's is very here to color. get you uh, coffee all the time. Al, that's very nice. Thank of you. you man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Fred, as far as you're concerned, what do you think makes being on at this time of the day, this day part? I know you don't like that term. What do you think it's makes? Than shift. <laughs> what do you think yeah. makes overnight radio 
so much different from the other day parts. Well, you know, the secret or not so secret reality is that, and they have this term in radio, which most people have no idea what the heck it means, kind of like, uh, you know, affirmative action. What does that mean? Right. Uh, cum. Cum? What the heck is cum? C-U-M-E. And so that's the magnet that gets you to listen. It's, it's the people listening, the bring-in factor. And the truth is, the overnight show, while it's not the necessarily the, the revenue maker directly, as far as the commercials, they may cost less. But man, the audience is on for more time. They listen. And so if you're a sponsor, you're out there, and you put a commercial on this time of the night, you're going to get a phenomenal oh, yeah. response. And the other thing is, I hate to say this, there's not much going, the, the city is going on. But as far as the radio band with consolidation and conglomerate radio, it is a yawn. It has been just basically forgotten about. It's the whole thing about saving AM. Uh, you have these mega corporations. They own 500, 1,000, 2,000 stations. They could care less. They plug in network shows. So the overnight show is so valuable because it's the only thing around. And it just makes common sense. Put on live people. Make it entertaining. So even though it may not make the most revenue directly, it brings people in. It's a destination. Um, that leads me to my next question is there's been a lot of questions about what the future of talk radio is. A lot of questions about the future of the AM band specifically. Where do you see talk radio going going forward? Well, if you haven't got the chance to hear great talk radio, it goes right in the toilet. Right. Nobody gets to hear it. You only can put it on. It's like going to the supermarket. Mm. You want to buy something. And, uh, and I'm somebody who will ask for the products I don't see. I can't buy the thing. Put it out there, for goodness sake. If you can't buy it, you can't listen to it. You can't support it. So you don't have a live local overnight show in most of the country. Now, this is a very unique situation because this station is a network unto itself. You've got a network. Right? How many right. affiliates do you have? Now? We're at Whatever. about, I think, 25. Right. But the truth is, and it's great to have all those stations, but the reality is WABC has the unique uh, nuance of being a network unto itself, forgetting the internet, the signal itself. And that's the beautiful thing about, about AM. I bet when you were a kid, you put the AM band on, and what can I pick up from out of oh, town? No, I still do that. I you still know, do you that. Pick I pick up all I kinds love, of diseases, but yeah. <laughs> But some great shows. And so to answer you, going back a few tangents, so the, the, the magic of the, of the overnight show is just phenomenal. And, and so talk radio has a great future if you give people a good product. Uh, Freddie, on that note, we're going to have to end it there. The hour has just flown by. you got to come back soon. I'm just not going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, your coffee guy, Elias, is going to throw oh, you right man. out. It Believe is so me. great to see you in person, though. Thank, Thank you, You Frank. too. Freddie Mertz, we'll have him back again soon. Uh, terrific talk talent. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can. 800-848-9222. Your influence counts. Use it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.